Yes, sir. You already know what time it is. We taking you back in time with this one. This is high school for me, baby. We going back to 09 with this. It's the Bronx Myers Podcast, episode 55. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 55 of the Bronx Bias Podcast. I am your host. My name is Denzel, a.k.a. Harry Potter, a.k.a. DeBron James. And we are back like Jordan wearing the faux five. I want to start by saying thank you to everyone who tunes in, who likes, who subscribes, who shares, and who supports. Thank you to everyone who is active and engaging with me on the social media platforms. I truly, truly, truly appreciate all of the love and all of the support I receive from y'all. Thank you to all the essential workers out there. And thank you to all the people who are out here continuously using their voices to affect change in a positive way we always 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 have to start the shows with the thank yous because the thank yous are very 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 important and we're gonna have a great show today man a great great show it is packed i'm ready i'm so excited to come in the pod today and uh man like you know it just feels good man i you know i always say that i always you know, stress how happy I am when I get to come in and do the show, man. So for 55 episodes, it's been just a blast. And I'm so excited to come in today and pod. And I am ready. I'm in an amazing mood. I'm in a tremendous mood. I am I am geeked up, okay? I'm ready to go. So let's get it. I am in a very, very, very good mood. Today's intro, I took you guys back. I took you guys back to my high school days, 2009. I took you guys way back in the time machine. Today's intro is called Swag Surfing by the Fast Life Youngsters off of the album Jamboree. And this is just my high school, man. I think I was 16, maybe when this came out or 17. 
I don't even remember. And like, I just remember like going, we used to throw high school parties. Like when we went to fundraise to go on trips and stuff, we would throw high school parties. Swag surfing was always a song that just made everyone come together and dance. Like, even if you didn't know how to dance, all you had to do was rock back and forth, you know? And it's always, it's even now, like if you, if, you know, when COVID restrictions lift up and stuff, when you go out and, and party or just have a good time, house party or kickback, if swag surfing comes on, everybody gets hype. Every, because you just remember like how when you were a kid and you heard that shit for the first time and the video was just a bunch of young kids having fun and they was like on a tour bus and shit and they was just all doing the dance like. And that's just like, just makes me remember about the good old days when you could just have fun and you didn't have to worry about adult shit. You could just be a kid and have fun and dance to your favorite song. So I had to give the Fast Life Youngsters a little love because I love that song and it's just always a song that makes me hype. So shout out to my guys, the Fast Life Youngsters. Now it's time for my favorite, 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 favorite 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 segment of the podcast it is called bronx facts for those of you guys who do not know or maybe it's your first time listening to the show bronx facts is a segment i like to do at the beginning of each show just to give one fact about the bronx new york that people may not know that people may have never heard before just to try and show how many great things how many great ideas and how many great people come from the Bronx, New York. So without further ado, your Bronx fact for today is, did you think Manhattan Central Park was the biggest park in New York City? Many people do. However, the Bronx's Pelham Bay Park is more than three times the size of Central Park. Hugging the Long Island Sound, this picturesque park features shoreline, bridal paths, hiking trails, and golf courses. Families favor the picnic areas and children adore the playgrounds. Athletes can break a sweat on the track, tennis courts, bike paths, and playing fields, and bird watchers flock to the wildlife sanctuary. Overlooking the park is the Bartow Pell Mansion, a magnificent estate and national historic landmark that is open to the public. Tours for the mansion are also available for a small fee. And that is your Bronx fact for episode number 55. Damn, son, where'd you find this? All right, so we're getting right to the shits today. Our top topic today has to deal with new legislation in the state of New York. I'm going to read you this article from the New York Times. New York reaches a deal to legalize recreational marijuana. The move paves the way for a potential $4.2 billion industry with millions of dollars in sales, tax revenue reinvested in minority communities every year. State lawmakers finalized a deal on Thursday to legalize recreational marijuana in New York, paving the way for a potential $4.2 billion industry that could create tens of thousands of jobs and become one of the largest markets in the country. Following several failed attempts, 
lawmakers in Albany struck an agreement with Governor Andrew Cuomo to legalize cannabis for adults 21 and older, a move that officials hope will end years of racially disproportionate policing that saw black and Hispanic peoples arrested on low-level marijuana charges far more frequently than white people. The deal would, would allow delivery of drug permit club-like lounges or consumption sites where marijuana but not alcohol could be consumed, according to details obtained by the New York Times. It would also allow a person to cultivate up to six marijuana plants at home, indoors or outdoors, for personal use. If approved, the first sales of legal marijuana are more than likely a year away. Officials must first face the daunting task of writing the complex rules that will control a highly regulated market, from the regulations of wholesalers and dispensaries to the allocation of cultivating and retail licenses, the creation of new taxes, and a five-member control board that will oversee the industry. The deal was crafted with an intense focus on making amends in communities impacted by the decades-long war on drugs. Millions of dollars in tax revenues from cannabis sales would be reinvested in minority communities each year, and a sizable portion of business licenses would be reserved for minority business owners. The governor's office have previously estimated that legalizing marijuana could generate about $350 million in tax revenue yearly once the program was fully implemented, which could take years. With New York following the lead of more than a dozen states in legalizing recreational marijuana, Democratic lawmakers sought to fashion their proposal on the best practices from other states, hoping to make New York's program a national model. So I have a few thoughts on this. I have a few thoughts on this. First of all, marijuana being illegal was straight up bullshit, and it was literally designed to put black and brown people or minority peoples in jail for low-level drug offenses. That's a fact. You can look up the war on drugs. You can look up Richard Nixon. You can look up putting marijuana on a federal Schedule One drug, basically saying that marijuana was the same level as heroin, the same level as cocaine, the same level as, you know, methamphetamines and things like that. And it's literally targeted at the black and brown community. You can look that up. I don't have time to really give you that history. But I have, I have a few thoughts on this. First is, I love that, you know, states are actually figuring out that, you know, it's better for people to use, to smoke weed, marijuana, or, you know, whatever derivative on a recreational basis than to punish for it. And two, that marijuana is less dangerous by, than tobacco, less dangerous than alcohol, and less dangerous than prescription drugs. Literally, it's like, it was so obvious. It's like, why did this take so long? You know what I'm saying? So I am not going to, throw a throw a, a rain on this parade because it is great i'm i'm glad that people are progressing and 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 opening up their minds to something that is you know it, it comes from the earth it's a plant it's not you know a, a manufactured drug it's not crack it's not any of those things so i'm glad that people are starting to you know change their mindsets on it but here's where i have the problem for years upon years upon years upon years the black and brown communities have been targeted for marijuana. 
And now they're saying, okay, boom, we're with the money that we make and tax revenue, we're going to reinvest it into the the minority communities. We're going to uh, uh, give special licenses for minority business owners who want to get into the space. But we know, as well, at least, no, I can't say we, but I know personally that the marijuana business is booming. Marijuana is legal in, I believe, 14 states, not including New York. The people who are running big, quote unquote, big marijuana, right, or big cannabis, it's, it's funny that it's mostly white faces. There is a great podcast uh, called All the Smoke, hosted by Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, where they have a former basketball player named Al Harrington, who has a company called Viola. And he was explaining how, you know, he has ventured into the space. He has made his way into the into the cannabis space where he has a grow house. He makes medical strains. He makes different types of strains. But he notices when he gets to the big wigs, the big board seats, when he gets his foot in the door, he doesn't see anyone who looks like him. And he knows, and we all know, that there are so many brothers and sisters who are behind bars for possession or for plants or for grow houses. But when the laws change, it doesn't always affect us positively. But the laws always affect us negatively, right? I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to pull a rain on this parade because this is great news. And I'm glad that young people will no longer be victimized or stigmatized or, or profiled or attacked for possession of marijuana or for using marijuana recreationally. But, you know, sometimes like it's just so hard not to pay attention to or so hard not to notice how when things that we start or things that we frequently use are written off by the powers that be white people. And then when people come around to it, black people are never put in positions where they can benefit from the culture that they create. That always just, this is just always a thorn in my side. So many brothers and sisters have lost valuable years of their lives for possession of marijuana. So many black brothers and sisters have lost so many years of their lives for selling marijuana to others, right? But now that marijuana is getting cool and trendy, the only people who benefit the most, and not to say that black people won't benefit, but the people who benefit the most from this will be white people, even though they will try to, they have for years let, led you to believe that marijuana, that people deserve to be behind bars or locked in cages or on probation or all these rules and negative laws for using marijuana but now that it's trendy it's like okay cool and now guess who's going to benefit the most from it you know what i'm saying like i don't want to be negative about it but it's just like it's hard for me to 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 separate the two i want to see more things that come out to say will these black people's records be expunged will will they let these black people and brown people out of these cages for 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 violating their quote-unquote three-strike law you know, what will be the end result? It's cool to say, okay, we're going to make it legal. We're going to um, um, generate the money and give it back to the community. But will this new program expunge records of criminals or quote, no, not even criminals, of people who have in possession of marijuana? Will it? Will it stop the, the local police departments from profiling people? I've been in situations where I've been, I personally have been stopped because a police officer, quote unquote, believed that they smelled marijuana on me. Like that's happened to me. 
Like, I just walking home from the train station, a police officer will stop me. I smell marijuana on you. Apparently, that gives you cause to stop and frisk. That's happened to me. So now that with this new legislation, how will this affect policing? How will this affect, you know, the things that we have dealt with ye- for years, you know, trying to deal with marijuana? Will, coll- will police, you know, stop your car and search it? Will, you know, uh, uh, you, maybe your home could be raided if you have a few plants. That's the, that was the reality that we lived with for years. So now, okay, boom, that Cuomo signs this law, like, it, it don't mean that everything will change overnight. And again, I, I, I keep saying I do not want to rain on this parade because this is great news. But it's like, we have suffered so long for using this plant. We have, we have suffered so long for using this plant. It's hard for me to believe that now, okay, that uh, somebody put their name on a, on a dotted line, that all of that shit will change. The police are, it's like ingrained in them to stop black people for weed. It's, it's like, you can't unlearn those things because let's say a cop who's been on the force, let's not even say for a long time, let's say a cop's been on the force for three years, Right. So from 2018 to 2021, they know that they can stop cars if they suspect that the uh, person has marijuana on them. They can stop you on the street and pat you down if they suspect you have marijuana on you. You know, anything like that. So that's just you just expect me to believe that that's just going to change overnight because Cuomo signed a bill into law. You know what I'm saying? So, again, guys, I'm, I'm very happy I'm very happy that this is this has finally happened. Um, But it's like, when will we really see the change and how will this not only affect us in the criminal space as as in they're decriminalizing it, but how will it affect us in the business space where so many white faces will benefit from a, a culture that maybe they don't even really understand? They just know that there's money in it. And, and how they will benefit on the backs of all the black people who have had to go to jail for using this plant that now they can make millions upon millions of dollars from. It's just, I need to see more. I'm happy about it. I'm happy that people can use the plant freely. It helps with so many things. It's, it has many medicinal properties. And if you, know, if you can drink alcohol, which is poison. If you can smoke cigarettes, which is poison, why can't you use marijuana? It's just like whatever. But what I'm going to stay tuned for and what I'm going to keep looking for is how will this really affect the the way that black people and brown people are treated and when it comes to this, right? 80% of com- or 80 to 85% of convictions for marijuana is black people. So, you can't just tell me that a police or a chain of command is just going to say, oh, well, Cuomo signed this, so, you know, everything's Gucci now. No fucking way. No way. So I will stay tuned and keep you guys posted on things that I see or articles that I read about how this really will affect the people who have been targeted for using this plant for the longest time, right? Um, You know, and and I also want to see how this will affect, like, the laws that come out, you know, I'm sure that there is going to be regulations and there's going to be high taxes and things like that because this is a very profitable industry. But like, let's say you go to 
uh, uh, like, like, you know, you go to a bar, you could get a drink. Okay, now you could go to a, 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 a recreational place to, and use marijuana. How will that affect, you know, legislation when it comes to driving under the influence? How will it affect legislation when it comes to, you know, um, uh, uh, offenses? Like, is there going to be like breathalyzers for it? Is there going to be, you know, are you going to be given tickets instead of locked up? Like, how is this really going to work? And how will the difference in treatment from black people and brown people compared to white people be now with legalized marijuana? Those are the questions that I have. You know, I love that this has happened, but I have I'm so skeptical of this system because it has disproportionately affected all of us for so long. So I'm not just going to read this and on his face say, wow, this is a 100 percent great because it's not. And there's always little wrinkles and bits and pieces and small coded language that will make it suitable for some, but still not suitable for others. So, again, I'm not trying to be a hater. I just want you guys to keep your eyes peeled and I will be staying tuned. I'm following this shit. I'm following this shit. I'm be like an investigator, like a PI following this story because it's just I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just so skeptical or jaded by how we've been treated for so long that it's like I see this and it's like I'm happy about it, but I'm really not that happy. You know what I'm saying? So I will keep my eyes peeled. I'm appreciative again for the legislature. I'm appreciative that lawmakers on some level are, are realizing the error of their ways, but I'm still very, very skeptical on what this really means for us. I'm not concerned about them. I'm concerned about us. You know, living in the Bronx, you see people get stifled, not stifled, but targeted and attacked and, and hunted basically for weed. You know, I've seen it for so long. I've seen it for so long. It's just so hard for me to believe that if you're not in Manhattan or if you're not in a ritzy quote unquote area that the police won't hassle you, you know what I'm saying, when you when you got a, a, a bag in your pocket. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to stay tuned on it. Shout out to Cuomo. Shout out to all the legislators who legislators who have agreed to this measure. But let's just keep our eyes peeled. And let's keep our ear to the ground. You know what I'm saying? And and uh, and and we'll see where this goes. But when I get updates, trust and believe I'm bringing it to the show. I'm bringing it to the pod, like updates on laws and updates on taxes and updates on how to get into the business once I find out, um, because it's just something that's very interesting to me. And also, if you guys would like, you guys should check out the All the Smoke episode with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson um, with Al Harrington. Um and and it's like a super breakdown, like because Al Harrington used to play ball, and he he sh- he explained how the drug was helping him, how it helped his grandmother with her glaucoma, how it helped him recover, and like I was just you know blown away by like how how he was explaining how difficult it was to you know get into the space, profit from the space, and you know benefit from using the plant you know monetarily. Um, so if you guys are interested in, in listening to that or watching that episode, it is All the Smoke Podcast episode number 18. Um, so if you guys are interested in that. So um, again, shout out to the lawmakers for passing this law, but keep your eyes peeled and your ear to the ground because this is something that is going uh, uh, to be very interesting to 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 cover over the next few weeks, months, and years. 
Um, but again, shout out to New York for legalizing the uh, marijuana on a recreational usage. And so moving right along, you guys can follow me and hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Rogers Neighborhood. Instagram is R-O-D-G-E-R-S, neighborhood N-E-I-G-H-B-O-R-H-O-O-D. Twitter is Rogers Neighborhood, R-O-D-G-E-R-S, neighborhood N-G-H-B-R-H-D. There are no vowels in neighborhood on Twitter. And I'm saying this and repeating it for the one millionth time because I ask you guys weekly to send in comments, questions, concerns, feedback, constructive criticism, whatever you have for me. And you guys have never let me down. I'm so appreciative of all the love and support. So we're going to answer some of the questions that we have received here. The first one says, what in your opinion is the Bronx's signature food? Now, come on, man. That's an easy question. Any, it's, it, it's New York signature food. The Bronx's signature food and New York signature food is the bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. Come on now. You know that. Any bodega you go to, any spot you hit up, the bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. It's good for breakfast, it's good for lunch, and it's good for dinner. Okay. That and and you know what I will say the chopped cheese is a close second, close second, but you you can't go wrong. You go to the bodega, you, you talk to the if it's a, a a Hispanic bodega owner or a Arabic bodega owner, black bodega owner, guaranteed they all know how to make a a beautiful, perfect bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. Okay, with a cup of coffee, what? You ready to start the day? That is the not only the Bronx's signature food, that is New York City's signature food, in my opinion. The bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. Facts. I'm gonna get me one after this show. I tell you that. That's for sure. Bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich all day, every day. All day, every day. The next question I have says, I know. <laughs> This is funny. I know you've seen the OG gap tooth god, Michael Strahan, close his gap. When are you closing up yours? That's funny. That's funny. If you guys don't know, Michael Strahan uh, is a former New York Giants football player who now uh, is on television. He, he does morning talk show like Good Morning America. And he's known for having a signature gap between his front two teeth. Um, and then over last week, he made a video showing him going to a dentist and closing the gap um, and then smiling with a full, you know, full smile with no gap in his teeth. So, the, you know, this person obviously knows who I am, has seen me before and, and knows me and is asking me when I'm closing mine. But two things. One, I'm going to play the clip for you. Michael Strahan played an amazing April Fool's joke on us. I'm going to play that clip. I'm not going to. I'm just going to let him say it. I'm not going to say it. And two, I will never close this gap, baby. I'm never closing this gap, baby. This gap is me. This gap is, is what makes Denzel Denzel. The gap to smile is part of my repertoire. It's part of my image. The glasses on my face. The gap in my teeth and the beard on my face, baby. Come on now. Me and my mama got the same gap. She passed the beautiful gap teeth down to me. 
And you ain't gonna tell me that my mama ain't beautiful, and you ain't gonna tell me that I ain't that I ain't handsome, alright? The gap is here to stay. The gap will never leave. This is part of what makes Denzel Denzel. I've um a cool quick story. When I was 14, I had a dentist appointment. The dentist asked me if I wanted to close my gap. And I, I told him no. No. I, I felt like this is part of what makes me me. You know, when I look at my mama, we she smile and I smile, we got the same smile. You know, that how could I, you know, close that? That's like you know, I'm I'm proud of that. I'm proud of this is this this unique feature that I have, you know, and it just makes me me. It just makes me feel, you know, unique. It makes me feel original. It just makes me feel, you know, right. I, I feel like I can't even picture myself without a gap between my teeth, you know? So um shout out to the to the OG gap god Michael Strahan. I'm gonna play this clip right now of Michael Strahan talking about him closing his gap. Hey everybody, it is Michael. Um, hey, what's up? What's going on? I know a lot of you are wondering, oh, it's gotta be April Fool's joke. He's gotta be joking with the teeth. Oh, he can't have fit. He, he must not have fixed that gap. It's his signature. And um, I gotta thank my boy, Dr. Lee, at Smile Design Manhattan for taking care of me. Um, you know, hooking a brother up, as they say. And I just want to thank you guys. I mean, I appreciate all the comments. I was surprised, to be honest with you, at how many people were like, no, don't get rid of the gap. It's your signature. And I've always kind of looked at it that way, but I didn't know so many people really cared. I mean, I like like polls and, 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 and TV talk and radio talk and podcast talk. But I appreciate all the love for the gap. And you know, and I've had it for almost 50 years now. And uh, a lot of people out there would always say, yeah, you make me feel good about rocking mine and everything else. And I know of the shocker to see it gone, but I just want to tell you guys that, um, you know, I appreciate all that love that you show and, and be you, live the way you want to live, do what makes you happy because I did. And I am happy um, that, that I did. So I just wanted to say, um, April Fools. Come on, man. The Gap is here to stay for a little while. Not going anywhere anytime soon. So April Fools, everybody. I had a good time. I actually feel bad. I feel really bad about actually not closing it after everything that I saw. But the Gap is here. The Gap is not going anywhere for a while. Uh, my mama, my mama, my mama likes it. So there you go. For you, mama. Thank you, guys. April Fools. I think that's great. I think that's one of the best April Fools pranks I ever seen. Because Michael Strahan made you know his name with the gap. Like he and he always smiling. He always makes sure he smiles. He's not ashamed of it. And I just I feel the same way. Like you know I've had jokes on me in school. Like oh Denzel, I know your favorite store is the Gap. Like you know what I'm saying. Like but just as a gap tooth guy, like I fuck with that. Like just this is me. You know this is me. And and I just I, I don't see myself ever closing it. You know what I'm saying? I, that's it's just it's just what makes Denzel Denzel. So shout out to the God Michael Strahan for a, it was a great April Fool's joke. Um and for keeping the Gap Tooth Brothers keeping the Gap Tooth Brothers popping, man. If you out there and you got a gap in your teeth, if you feel like closing it, of course that's your prerogative. And I'm not gonna you know make try to dissuade anyone from doing cosmetic work or things that make them feel better. 
But if you out there and you got a gap in your teeth, you know what I'm saying? Own that shit because that's you. And nobody can tell you that you ain't beautiful. No one can tell you that you ain't handsome because you got a gap in your teeth. And if someone ever come and try to tell me my mama ain't beautiful, you're going to see. You're going to have to see me. You're going to have to see me. All right. You're going to have to see me. And if you're going to try and tell me that I ain't handsome, you know, I know you bugging. You bugging now. Okay. So shout out to Michael Strahan and shout out to all my gap tooth brothers and sisters out there. And the last question I have for you guys today says, who are some women that you have drawn inspiration from? Okay, that's good. I like that. It's Women's History Month. Well, it, Women's History Month just ended. That was the month of March. Um, and yeah, there's, there. I, I know that I probably talk about men on this show more than women. So that is a good question. I appreciate the question. Um, I'm just going to go off the top of my head with a few ladies who, who really inspire me. Um, and if I don't say, you know, a person, it's not that I don't draw inspiration from them. I'm just going off the top of my head. I'm going to say some women and just a little bit about why I get inspiration from them. Um, the first one is Jamel Hill. I love me some Jamel Hill. Jamel Hill is a sports writer, sports analyst, sports commentator. Um, and she's like, she, she's the one who's kind of like showed me like the strength of women in media. Not not that other women in media aren't strong, but Jamel was like just the fearlessness, the fearless nature in standing up for what you believe in. I first got wind of Jamel Hill when I used to watch ESPN. It was the show called His and Hers with her and Michael Smith. And then she also did the His and Hers podcast with Michael Smith. And then they got promoted to do Sports Center at 6 p.m. And, you know, they were just unapologetically themselves, her and Mike. They were just unapologetically black. They talked about black issues. They talked about things that we would talk about growing up in the communities. She's from Detroit, Michigan. And like, you know, and and what really like solidified her like in terms of just inspiration was when she was doing Sports Center at 6 p.m. with Michael Smith and they were talking about Donald Trump. And she outright called Donald Trump a racist, a bigot, a white supremacist, and she received a lot of heat for it. A lot of heat. Like people were like saying she's the worst or she needs to get fired. How could you have her on the network? And she she never backed down from it. Never. She stayed true. She she kept speaking her truth. And I like I respect that so much. Like and now I watch her do all the great things that she wants to do. She has a show on Vice called Stick to Sports with uh, Carrie Champion. She writes for the um she writes for the Athletic magazine, I believe. And she's great on Twitter. Like, she's just someone who I look at him like, yo, like, she's doing her thing. And I just, I like, dang, she's so strong. She's so intelligent. It's just like, yo, I, I pick so much up from her. You know, I love following her on Twitter. I love watching her show. And I, I'm really inspired by Jamel Hill. Um, the next one I have, just off the top, Missy Elliott. Okay, listen, I love Missy Elliott so much. People don't even realize how much Missy Elliott has impacted women in music and, and entertainment. There would be no, I guarantee you, there would be no Tiana Taylor. There would be no Rico Nasty. There would be no Megan Thee Stallion. There would be no Cardi B. There would be no Tierra Whack. There would be no uh, SZA. There would be no, who else is a fantastic uh, female? Kehlani. None of, none of them would be able to do what they do without Missy Elliott. That's big facts. 
Big facts. If you don't know about Missy Elliott, you need to do your motherfucking homework. Missy Elliott is one of the most talented people to ever walk this planet. To ever walk on this motherfucking planet. Okay? No one was doing videos like Missy Elliott. No one was producing records like Missy Elliott. No one was writing all the songs for all the other artists like Missy Elliott was. No one was into fashion like Missy Elliott. No one was doing what Missy Elliott was doing. Like, she set the trend for so many people. She put so many people on. She wrote for so many people. She produced so many great records for other people. If you don't know about Missy Elliott, please do your homework. Go on YouTube, just type in Missy Elliott and just watch all of her videos, listen to her interviews, look at her discography. Missy, Miss Demeanor Elliott is one of the most amazing people in the world to me. I love Missy Elliott so much. I swear, I love Missy Elliott so much. So that's another one. Um, who else is a very inspirational woman? Rihanna. I love Rihanna. Obviously very beautiful, um, but very talented in terms of music. But what I love about Rihanna so much is Rihanna is all about inclusion. Like, you know, she made her way into the fashion game and she made her way into the makeup game. And norm typically, you know, I've been to Sephora with women and they say, oh, they don't have my shade here or they want to go buy a nice outfit and or they don't have my size or they don't make things that for people like us. Rihanna, when she broke into the fashion game, into the makeup game, she made sure to include everyone. She didn't want anyone to be left out. She made sure her Fenty Beauty products had the full color spectrum so women of all shades could wear her products. She made sure when she made her Fenty uh, lingerie line, her Fenty clothing line, it was completely all inclusive for whatever size you are. You can wear this. You can be a part of this. And I, and I love that. I love the inclusion. Like, you know, so many people get left out. Fashion is if you, usually if you're not a size zero, a size one, you can't wear these nice garments. And Rihanna was just like, no, like I'm not doing that shit that way. I want everyone who wants to get some Fenty to be able to get it. And, and I really love that. I love that. I love that. Um, some other women, um, Oprah Winfrey, of course, billionaire. There's nothing else. There's nothing really else to say about that. And she's left-handed gang. Um, Tiana Taylor, again, a Missy Elliott offspring, super talented, a director, a dancer, a writer, a singer, a rapper, and everything, literally, and everything. I love Tiana. Regina King is my favorite actress of all time. So versatile. She just directed the movie One Night in Miami about Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, and uh, Sam Cooke. She's been in every movie you can think of, every t great TV show. Like, she's she's amazing. I love her. Um, who else? Uh, Viola Davis, another great actress. Super, super talented. Always a, a, trying to empower other black women to succeed in the arts. I love those types of messages. Um, who else? Who else off the top? Um Stacey Abrams, man, she killed, you know, she, Stacey Abrams did her Doug Dizzle for this election season, getting so many people in Georgia registered to vote, um, encouraging black participation, encouraging black activism in, in politics and beyond, man, that was, that was one of the best, best moments, seeing how Stacey just empowered so many black people to get involved, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in New York from the Bronx gang, um, just a, a politician who's always fighting for, you know, equal rights or equality for all citizens 
for equality for people who look like her, black and brown. I love watching her, you know, get on Congress and speak passionately. And last but certainly not least, my mama and my grandmama. Rest in peace, grandma. I love you. I miss you. You know, those are the first two women I see have so much strength, have so much resolve. And um, for since I can remember, they've just been empowering my sister and I to just be the best versions of ourselves. And they led by example. You know, my mama got her college degree at 40 years old. You know, she didn't finish college at first and she went back and finished. You know, she graduated from nursing school right after. Like, and she just showed us like, if, if you want to do something, if you want to do anything in this world is possible. And age is not something that can stop you. Being a woman is not something that will stop you. Being black is not something that can stop you. My grandmama the same way. You know, she provided so much for us. She showed us the power of strong, being a strong person, being an independent person. And, you know, I definitely would not be the Denzel today without my mom and my grandmama. So, um, you know, those are just some women who, I, who I've really drawn inspiration from, you know, just personally, you know, people who I grew up with, my mom and my grandmama, but just people in the atmosphere who are making their name, being unapologetically black, being um, unafraid to speak and use their voices and be impactful, you know, and, and I really appreciate the, these women. And again, I'm not trying to leave anybody out. You know, I don't have that much time on the show. You know, I talk a lot. So if I didn't say your favorite inspirational woman, again, I'm not trying to disrespect anyone or leave anybody out. It's just, you know, off the top of my head, these are the women who I just think of when I think of impactful and inspirational women. So thank you again, guys, for the questions. I truly, 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 truly appreciate them. I appreciate all the love and support. Shout out to my Gap Tooth OG, Michael Strahan. <laughs> and um, I look forward to answering more and more and more and more and more and more of you guys' questions. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. Next on the docket, let's talk about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant. So last week, um, there was a big story about Kevin Durant and actor Michael Rappaport. And basically, it was Kevin Durant on social media and DMs. Um, threatening and attacking Michael Rappaport for criticizing the way that he was conducting media interviews. And uh, apparently they had a, a sort of friendship before, um, before this incident. And it, it really went crazy on sports media and on the timeline and everything like that. So I'm just going to read you a small, a small article from NBC Sports. It reads, Kevin Durant fined $50,000 for messages to Michael Rappaport. Net star Kevin Durant sent homophobic and misogynistic private messages to actor Michael Rappaport. NBA released a statement saying, Brooklyn Nets forward Kevin Durant has been fined $50,000 for using offensive and derogatory language on social media. It was announced today by Brian Spruill, president of League Operations. Durant has acknowledged that his actions were inappropriate. The league typically acts so strongly in these cases only when someone's language becomes public and invites sufficient backlash. This happened with, with Durant when Rappaport posted screenshots. At that point, any mitigating context exist, that existed became lost. Whatever Durant intended, his words amplified homophobia and misogyny to a wider audience. Durant in a statement said, I am sorry that people seen that language that I used. That is not really what I want people to hear and see from me. So, you know, I took a few things away from this story. Um, one is what I really don't like is 
how, dang, how can I even word this? I don't like that when you are a celebrity or a public figure or a person with a lot of money or wealth or stardom or or fame, it takes away your humanity. And what I mean by that is Kevin Durant is, from all accounts, a nice person. You know, a lot of people try to attack him for having a burner account or for, you know, not being great with media. But I don't think that Kevin Durant is a bad dude whatsoever. I don't think that he has a a bad, malicious bone in his body. And that's my opinion. But it it seems like anything that you do or, or people can do anything that they want to you. People can say anything that they can. People can be offensive. People can attack you, can attack your family, can attack your manhood. And because you have money or because you have access, because you have extreme level of fame, that you can't respond that you can't defend yourself. Now again, the language that KD used, I'm going to read the I'm going to read the direct messages. The language some of the language he used was inappropriate. But I don't like that because Kevin Durant is a super superstar that he loses the right to defend himself because he is such a star. Kevin Durant is from the hood. Kevin Durant is from DC, PG County. If Kevin Durant was on the street and someone came up to him and said something crazy to him, he would defend himself. That's how he grew up, and that's how it should be now. You're not going to go up to Kevin Durant and talk to him crazy. He's seven feet tall. Like, no matter if he's the most gentle guy in the world, he's seven feet tall still. And I'm sure he could do a lot of damage to you. So because social media is like you can send anything to anyone, you can talk about anyone, you can have an opinion on anything, it just makes it so easy to be negative and send these things to people. But just because he's rich doesn't mean that he shouldn't be, have the right to defend himself. I, I really don't like that. I find that to be very, very frustrating to me because it's like, fam, you wouldn't say this to me in my face. You would not say it to me. But now, because you're on the internet, you could be a tough guy. You could be a whatever. You could be a, a, you could have a negative opinion. You could say whatever you want to me. And the public will say, oh, well, he's rich. He shouldn't respond. Money doesn't make you lose your humanity. Like, what? Like, I just, I really don't like that. I really don't like that. I just find that to be extremely frustrating. Like, if someone attacks you, you have every right to defend yourself. If they want, they're a grown person. This is not a child. Michael Rappaport is older than Kevin Durant, like 20 years older than him. So if you come and talking to him crazy, you better expect to hear something back. This is not a, a 16-year-old kid. This is a grown man. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to read you the, the, the messages. And again, there is some strong language in here. So be prepared. Um, Kev, and Michael Rappaport did some bullshit too. Posting the fucking DMs, like that's bullshit. Anyway, let me just read the shit. So it started with Kevin Durant sending Michael Rappaport a DM. And he sent a, a tweet that Michael Rappaport had tweeted. And it said, quote, this is the tweet from Michael Rappaport. KD seemed deeply in his feelings with the quote with the at NBA TNT crew after the game. Damn it. He's super sensitive about everything. Do the interview. So Kevin Durant sent that screenshot to Michael Rappaport with a caption saying, you a bitch. <laughs> That's a great start. <laughs> so Michael Rappaport responds and says, 
just do the fucking interview and if you're upset about something they said say something up there looking like you about to cry and shit kevin durant responds i did the interview you dickhead tell your baby daddy chuck to be better at his job and frame questions better he gave me two options for that dumbass question yes or no michael rapaport responds um i still don't know why they asked for this idiot's opinion if someone called easy money sniper which is kevin durant's instagram name if someone called easy money sniper an idiot he would literally cry on tv so kevin durant responds to that i heard it all before you cunt Chuck doesn't need you as security, you pale, pasty, cum-guzzling bitch. I swear, I'm going to spit in your face when I see your dirty ass. Bet your life on it. Meet me on West 17th Street tomorrow at 10. Or better yet, what's your address? 10 a.m. at Catch Steak, on the corner. Meet me there, pussy. Michael Rappaport responds. Go help the kids in Brownsville, Brooklyn, and stop being a fucking puzz. Kevin Durant. You a bitch for even caring how I do an interview. All you do is cocksuck other men for attention. Trump didn't pay you attention. Trump didn't pay attention to your sorry ass. So now you want to use everybody else to get the views and laughs. Your life's a joke. You fucking pale cocksucker. Go get some sun. It's fucking with your brain. You piece of shit. Michael Rappaport responds. Go to Brownsville and help the people that need it. Goofball. Kevin Durant responds. You go do it. You clown. Good for you. Nobody gives a fuck. Suck a dick. Can't wait to tell you all of this in person. And then, apparently, Michael Rappaport filed some legal papers. Kevin Durant responds with five laughing emojis and says, You called your lawyer like the pussy you are. Ha 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 ha. You couldn't talk. Portnoy, you couldn't talk. You couldn't take. Dave Portnoy talking shit? Defamation of character? Crying emojis. Pussy ass when a lawyer up. Your, my, your wife mad as fuck because you're wasting that little bit of money on the lawyers because you can't take a joke. How pussy are you? Your wife don't even respect your bitch ass. So there's a lot of charge language in there. It is. But I mean, and again, he probably overreacted. He did. I can't say that using all that language is necessary, is, you know what I'm saying, is needed. It, it is. A, it was a lot of charge language in there. But it's like, like, bro, like, you know what I'm saying? You have an opinion and that's fine. But it's like, you know that you wouldn't say this to me. You know... Even if I am, if you, even if you think I'm soft, even if you think I'm a, a goofball, if you see me in person, you would not say this. And now that I'm bringing the smoke to you, now I got smoke for you. You want to get a lawyer. You want to lawyer up. You want to hide behind quote unquote litigation. And now and I say, yo, meet me out somewhere. You don't want to do it. And you posted the screenshots to try to embarrass me or get whatever you want out of it. It's like I understand Kevin Durant was wrong. And the way that he spoke to Michael Rappaport and the language that he used was a lot of foul language. It was. But at the same time, why does Michael Rappaport get to say whatever the fuck he wants to you, to Kevin Durant? Because he's a famous person. He's a super, superstar. But when Kevin Durant wants to bring it to the streets and how it really would happen, it's a problem. It's exposed on social media i'm screenshotting all your dms and i'm making them public i'm trying to embarrass you i'm trying to shame you now i have to pay a fifty thousand dollar fine you know i just something about that don't sit right with me you shouldn't lose your humanity you shouldn't lose the ability to defend yourself just because you are extremely rich famous and successful and that's the point i understand why the league find him 
I understand why he became scrutinized because it was a lot of charge language. But it's at the same time, it's like, like Lil John said, don't start no shit and there won't be no shit. Straight up. Don't start no shit and it won't be no shit. He thought it was going to be sweet. He thought, oh, Kevin Durant's soft. Like, I can say whatever I want about him and he's not going to do nothing. And then the smoke came right to his door and he was not prepared for it. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a weird situation. It's kind of fucked up. And, uh, and again, I understand why the league acted in the way it did. I, I'm glad that Kevin Durant issued an apology saying that that language was not for everyone to see and, and he doesn't want people to see him speak like that. I appreciated that. But at the same time, we need to hold Michael Rappaport accountable as well. This can't be all Kevin Durant. The story, we lost Michael Rappaport in the story. Everyone's just talking about KD, 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 KD. Instead of saying, well, he was provoked to do that. He didn't just say, he didn't just get up one day and DM Michael Rappaport all all that language for no reason. There was a reason why he responded in that way. I'm sure Kevin Durant has a million better things to do than to just curse at Michael Rappaport for fun. So, you know, I don't know. Just the takeaway is, of course, be mindful in what you text. Be mindful in what you post on social media. Be mindful of the DMs that you do send because they can become public. But also at the same time, I don't want it to be something that, you know, just because you're rich, famous, successful and have a lot of influence, you lose your humanity. You lose the right to defend yourself. So. That's all I got on it. Prayers and love to everyone involved. And, uh, you know, hopefully that, you know, hopefully we won't have a situation like this again. Hopefully, you know, hopefully. That's And that's all I got on it. That's all I got. Um, But let's stick with sports, though. Let's stick with sports. Let's talk about the Nets. Let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets. So, of course, Kevin Durant is on the team. They had Kyrie Irving at the beginning of the season, and they made a few deals, a few, few deals in the last few weeks. Um, to try to strengthen their NBA Finals chances. So um, toward the in the very beginning of the season, um, they made a blockbuster trade for James Harden of the Houston Rockets, and that made them a big three, instant NBA Finals contenders. And then they went out and got Blake Griffin from the Detroit Pistons, and, and they included LaMarcus Aldridge. So... People who listen to the show know that I'm a huge LeBron James fan. LeBron James is my favorite basketball player of all time. Um, and I believe I personally believe that he is the greatest basketball player to ever live beyond Michael Jordan. I believe that LeBron James is the greatest basketball player to ever live. That's my opinion. And I have a lot of commentary on it. I had a lot of thoughts on what Brooklyn was doing. I had a lot of commentary on... How, you know, teams are just building basically the Avengers to face LeBron when, you know, when it comes time to do that. And I was thinking like, dang, how am I even going to make this make sense on the podcast? Like, how am I going to word all of these things and talk about all of these different storylines and and how teams are basically trying to create the Monstars or the Avengers or, you know, the Justice League to defeat LeBron? And I was just so happy to be watching Undisputed, which is a uh, a show on Fox Sports 1 with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. And my guy Shannon Sharp broke it down perfectly. So I'm just going to play you the clip of Shannon Sharp speaking on the Nets super team and speaking on how the super teams were created to defeat LeBron. And, and, and this solidifies in my head 
how LeBron James is indeed the greatest basketball player to ever live. So this is Shannon Sharp. Skip, I don't know if they're necessarily scared, but I know they put these teams together to deal with LeBron James because they know two superstars versus two superstars. The likelihood of you beating his team is not very good. Skip, let me tell people what actually happened. LeBron James did not start the super team. The Lakers and the Celtics in the 80s had the super teams. But what he did do is that he, a player, says, okay, let's go play together. What he did in 2010, Skip, when he left and went with Chris Bosh and D-Wade. Boston Celtics started this, really. Once LeBron James in 27, in, in 2007, as a 22-year-old, ran through the East, beat the bad boy Pistons too, who had represented the Eastern Conference for the last three, four years, Skip, in the NBA Finals. They know they couldn't do anything with him. Paul Pierce couldn't see him. The Boston Celtics could not see him. And what did they do in 2008, Skip? They made the trade for KG. They made the trade for Ray Allen. And they brought the big three together in 2008 to stop LeBron James. LeBron James said, well, this isn't fair. It's three against one. How do y'all expect? Oh, if you're great, if you're great. Well, you never said Michael Jordan was supposed to beat the big three Celtics, but you expect me to do that. So he went and got a team. So what LeBron James did, Skip, is that he empowered the players to say, hey, if teams could put together super teams, bro, if we cool with each other, why can't we? Just like say, hey, bro, we got a good idea. Let's put our money together. We can make it grow. We ain't got to always compete against each other. Because what has happened, Skip, it used to be who's the best player that's never won a ring? Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, all these guys, Elgin Baylor, all these guys' names would come up. Guys got tired of hearing that. So guys says, okay, you diminish my greatness if I don't have a ring. So they said, you know what? Let's go link up. I don't think people were upset that Kyrie and KD got together. It's just when they added James Harden. Skip, I ain't talking about no Blake Griffin. Because Blake Griffin had this to say, it's funny, everybody thought I was washed two years ago, but now I'm on the, the narrative chain. No, I'm not. You still watch. The expectations of you are different. Because in Detroit, you were expected to lead a team. Now you're the fourth or fifth option. So you serve perfectly for that role for your talent level. But to make a short story long, and a long story short, mm. everybody's gearing up to stop this 36-year-old in year 18 with Anthony Davis. Now we have Andre Drummond. That's why they did what they did. Because you and I both know, when it was two superstars against two superstars, it was Russell Westbrook, KD, versus LeBron and Kyrie. Mm. KD couldn't see it. Mm. KD couldn't see him 17 and 5 before he went to the Golden State Warriors. That's what Kevin Durant's record was against LeBron James. If you don't believe me, go look it up. Two superstars, KD and West against uh, uh, LeBron and Kyrie. He couldn't see him. He couldn't see him on his best state. Mm. And so what he did is that he went with Kyrie. He got James Harden. Got no problem with that. I ain't like I said. I don't even talk about no Lamarcus oh, Aldridge and and and, and Blake because the guys now they're parts. They're parts. They're not important parts. They're parts. You and I both know, but you know why they did it. <laughs> you mm. know why they did it. They are that bad. Mm. They didn't put no super teams together to beat Jordan. They didn't put no super teams together. Boston started it. Mm. Paul Pierce, KG, and Ray Allen started to try to take a twenty-two-year-old down. Can you imagine somebody putting a team together to beat Zion? Mm -hmm. They put a team together. That's what an equivalent is right now. Let me take my watch. I call it when I break it. 
Mm. Imagine a team putting a team together of superstars to be Zion Williamson. That's what they did to do to that man in Cleveland at 22 years of age. Mm. If you don't believe it, look it up. LeBron James. Woo, Shannon took us to church on that one. Shannon took us to church on that one. I love it. I love it. He said it better than I ever could. He had it framed and articulated perfectly. So LeBron James is the GOAT. I don't give a fuck what nobody say. I don't give a fuck what nobody think. You know, you if you love Jordan, you love Jordan. I, and I'm never going to try and shit on him and say he was trash. Like, that is insanity to say. But I just am of the belief that LeBron James is the greatest basketball player ever for what he's done, for the amount of time he's done it, and for how the league changes constantly to defeat him. No other player was treated this way. No other player was where teams were literally designed to try and stop and eliminate LeBron James. Like, no other basketball player. So you can't tell me, if you are a follower of the game, what team was created that way to do that. Like, you you just can't like what team was was designed literally to destroy one player like what team like like engineered so for example so for the the celtics in 2007 kevin garnett paul pierce and ray allen to defeat lebron in the eastern conference right then in 2017 the golden state warriors steph curry clay thompson draymond green and then they added kevin durant and then now the Nets, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, then they add James Harden, then they get Blake Griffin, and then they get LaMarcus Aldridge. Like, this has happened three times. So that's just my opinion. I believe, firmly believe, and nothing is going to change my mind, that LeBron James is the greatest basketball player ever. And um, you keep seeing it. You know, you could be a LeBron denier all you want. You could say LeBron fans are sensitive and overly whatever, but... It's the truth just continues to show itself and is just a decision of whether you decide to believe it. So shout out to my guy, Shannon Sharp, and shout out to the greatest basketball player of all time, LeBron James. LeBron James. And last on the docket before I cut out, I want to talk about how um, sports has continued to respond against voting laws, voter restriction laws, and outright racism toward uh, minority peoples. Um, the most recent story being how the Major League Baseball um, has pulled the All-Star game from Georgia in a response to the new voting law. Basically, uh, last week or a week and a half ago, uh, the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, a Republican, signed into law that uh, there would be a lot of significant changes to voting into the state. And um, when people protest, they were escorted off the premises. There was a black woman, a, a congresswoman there trying to just observe. She was escorted out by police. And it was just like, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Um, to give you details on what the changes to voting in the state are, I'm going to read you some of the bullet points. Um, according to the new law in Georgia, Voters will have less time to request absentee ballots. There will be strict new ID requirements for absentee ballots. It is now illegal for election officials to mail out absentee ballot applications to all voters. Drop boxes will still exist, but barely. Mobile voting centers are essentially banned. Early voting is expanded to early voting is expanded in a lot of small counties, but probably not more than populous ones. 
Offering food and water to voters waiting in line is now a misdemeanor charge. If you go to the wrong polling place, it will be even harder to vote. If election problems arise, which is a common occurrence, it will now be more difficult to extend voting hours. Uh, With a mix of changes to vote counting, high turnout elections will probably mean longer wait times for results. Election officials can no longer accept third party funding. with an eye toward voter fraud, the state attorney general will manage <clears throat> will manage the election hotline. A Republican-controlled legislature has more control over the state election board. The secretary of state is removed as a voting member of the state election board. The GOP-led legislature is empowered to suspend county election officials, and election runoffs will happen faster, which we, which could become harder to manage. So all of these things. In my opinion, again, I'm not here to try to tell anyone how to think. But all of these things, in my opinion, is just the the racist reaction or the racist uh, 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 result of what we saw happen with the recent 2020 election, where Stacey Abrams in Georgia got so many people who were not active voters to vote. Absentee ballots came in like the edible you thought was trash. Big facts. And this is the racist response to it. Trying to make voting more difficult. Trying to dissuade more people from getting out there and voting. And there are so many people I've spoken about, I've spoken to and with during the election season where I was on it on it. Saying, oh, black people, voting is bullshit. Voting doesn't work. Voting is BS. Voting is trash. Black people's votes don't count. Black people's voices don't count. And I'm like, bro, how could you say that when you see all the ways that people in positions of power try to stop black and brown people from voting? How could you say that with a straight face and believe it? This is another occurrence. Georgia had one of the biggest turnouts in voting. A red state became blue. So many people use the measure of absentee voting to get their voices out there. So many people used voter drop boxes. So many people actually stood online and waited. There are people who gave out food and water to say, don't get off the line, stay on the line. And this is a state reacting because they don't like that change. I'm not talking out my ass here. It may seem that way to some people. It may. But I'm really not talking out my ass. And, you know, I'm very proud of how Major sports like the WNBA, like the NBA, like and now Major League Baseball have outright said we will not accept these racist reactions. We will not accept these Republican led revolts to try and silence citizens of the country. And um, man, I I really man, I, I really love that shit. I really love that shit. I really love seeing it just as like it's not cool. We're not going to give you all the benefits that your state needs for in terms of tourism or in terms of, of, of you know, attractions or helping your state make money. If you literally make laws that are prejudiced and built in racism, I fuck with that so much. I'm going to read you a small article again from The New York Times, my shit. I'm about what Major League Baseball has done in response to the new voting laws in Georgia. 
Major League Baseball sent a warning shot on Friday to Republicans considering new laws to restrict voting by pulling its summer All-Star game out of suburban Georgia in a rebuke to Georgia's new election rules that will make it harder to vote in the state's urban areas. The announcement by Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred came days after came after days of lobbying from civil rights groups and discussions with stakeholders like the Major League Baseball Players Association. The action is likely to put additional pressure on other organizations and corporations to consider pulling businesses out of Georgia, a move that will make both Republicans and Democrats in the state opposed despite fiercely disagreeing with the new voting laws. The league's decision comes after comes as other states are moving closer to passing new laws that would further restrict voting. In Texas, the state Senate passed a bill this week that would limit early voting hours, ban drive-through voting, and add restrictions to absentee voting, also to make it illegal for local election officials to mail in absentee applications, even if they qualify. And in Florida, the state legislation has introduced, has introduced a bill that would severely limit drop boxes. Mr. Manfred's decision to move the All-Star Game goes far beyond what any other leading American institution has done so far to take a stand against new voting restrictions. And his strongly worded announcement was striking for a league with owners who panned the political spectrum. Quote, Major League Baseball fundamentally supports voting rights for all Americans and opposes restrictions to ballot box to the ballot box. Mr. Manfred said in a statement. Their access to voting continues to have our unwavering support. Um, this week, President Biden joined a growing call for the relocation of the game because of the voting law, which he and civil rights groups and predicted would have an outsized impact on people of color. And man, I just it's just something I like to see. You know, I, I say at every the beginning of every single show and I will continue to say it. Thank you to all the people who are out here continuously using their voices to affect change in a positive way. You know, we have been black and brown people in this country have been maligned, targeted, tormented, demonized, victimized for the entire history of us here in this country. And it's like, you know, once we we have shown the power that we have, you know, they want us to believe that we don't have power. They want us to believe that we don't have impact and influence. And. I just love to see that when people try to continue the racist agenda that has kept black and pe- black and brown people stigmatized and victimized in this country, that that is just not as as acceptable as it used to be. People aren't just going to turn the other cheek about it or act like it didn't happen because it doesn't affect them directly. You know, I see the big change in how think people will respond to outright racist agendas or outright racist um antics and and it's just something that is very uplifting and motivating to myself um because you know i just have the belief that we all deserve to be treated equally and um you know so something like that is just like a just to let you guys know hey you guys can make these laws to target black and brown people to try and uh, uh dissuade black and brown people from voting But we're not going to give you a reward for it. Having a Major League Baseball all-star game in your state is good for for tourism, for uh, state businesses, for hotels, for uh, uh, museums. Like when people come to the state, they're going to interact with all the things you have. And that makes money for the state. We're not going to give you a reward for a racist agenda. 
we're not going to give you that. And I fuck with that. I love that so much. So I'm very, I'm very appreciative for the, the, the stance that major league baseball has taken. And, um, you know, I, and it's just something that I love to see. I, I just love seeing that because it's like the seeds of change have been firmly planted. And of course there will be things that try to keep the status quo. There will be people who oppose the new changes that they see and people who don't like the advancement of, of black and brown people in this country. But I like that at least that major corporations or major attractions will not reward states who try to invoke racist agendas. And, and that's all I got on it. So big shout out to uh, Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred, the players, the Major League Baseball Players Association and Stacey Abrams for um for for what is for what's going down in georgia currently and that guys will wrap it up episode number 55 of the bronx bias podcast is in the books i'm your host once again my name is denzel aka harry potter aka dubron james thank you guys so much for tuning in listening for liking, subscribing, sharing, and supporting. Thank you guys for being so active with me on social media. I appreciate all you guys' love and support. I appreciate, you know, all you guys who just tune in and listen and listen to me talk my shit for a little while. I appreciate all the love. Um, and it, it is such a blessing to be in this position. I, always, I try to say it as many times as, as possible because I really am thankful for being in this position to pod. And, um, you know, it's just something that is just beautiful, man. It's just beautiful. So I'm always very, very thankful just to be in this position to have people who actually give a fuck and listen to the show because then I'll just be talking to myself. <laughs> um, so thank you guys again for listening. Um, have a great week out there. Have a great weekend. Stay woke with this weed shit in New York. Um, shout out to my guy LeBron for, for making everybody scared. Um, be mindful what you say on social media because people will try to use it against you um, st- and stay safe out there. And I will speak to you guys next week. I'm going to fade you guys out with a great, great, great song. It is called One, Four, Three by Smoke Dizza off of the album Homegrown. And this has been the Bronx Bias Podcast, episode number 55. Have a great week and a great weekend. I will see you guys next week. And we are out. Out, but they don't know a thing. Put dirty on your headpiece, that's just another chain. 
really a nice watch As soon as you put some diamonds in them, the price drop As soon as I went for self and put me in tight spot Don't throw me no pity parties, think that I might stop Cause I'm not, I'm at the round table, chefing up hot Like it's legal, top shelf, you better cop Before my people drag your feet and end up paying double See Tito, disappointed like Smokey and Craig And shoot Debo I love this shit yeah. I love it, I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. <laughs> I love this shit. Yeah. Even if you hate us all love. I love it. Yeah. Kush God, say it bluntly, touring the country, holidays, I'm like Bumpy, everything's comfy, flood work, make sure you see me when everything's comfy, have your vice, but stay focused, don't turn into junkies, stand clear, make sure you protect mama and auntie, grandma, stay pray for me, she keep away jumpies, evil spirits, that guy in knee slang, how I pronounce he, unsung, underground king pimp, Bundy, hollow nigga, new shines, I switch up my monthly, plugged in, I grab a couple, what couple they front me, look, plus I got a couple on the way Y'all just some suckers in the way Fucking up the play Still getting money with who I came up with Smokers Club, shout my brothers who I flame up with Marathon, I had endurance when they gave up quick I got real songs with Nip, no made up shits I love this shit Yeah I love it, I love it, love it, love it, love it Huh Yeah